Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with a Professor. It's time to get into the officiating because, of course, uh, as you know, that uh, there's always going to be rule changes and controversy and everything else, and nobody explains it better than Mike Pereira from Fox, and uh, he joins us here on Schooled with a Professor. First off, I mean, there's been so much controversy uh, with the complaints with the new taunting rule that just got implemented. Uh, first, go over what the rule is. And was this maybe a little bit too much, or is this going to be a good thing? Well, first of all, it's not a new rule. Yeah. It's just a, it's an emphasis on an existing rule. And they're not trying to take celebrations out of the game. They want celebrations. Um, they're just trying to get rid of those taunting actions that are directed at an opponent. And I agree with it. I agree that it needs to be taken care of because – They've been way too lax in the last few years. And, you know, what happens is a game gets out of hand when this starts to happen, and you spend half your time as an official breaking up skirmishes after play. So um, I think it's the right thing to do. But, you know, people are up in arms now, and I get it. But let's remember one thing. It's week one of preseason. So it's not like we have had two straight weeks of regular season football and and people are screaming over what's been called. I, I I think it'll settle down. A couple of them, the one that I saw where, you know, I forget which team it was, but it was a runner who, you know, made a great run, 14-yard run. I think carried bodies with him, got up and turned around and looked at his opponent quickly and then got a foul. Um, that's, that's not what they want to do. I mean, they're sending a message to a degree, um, but – you know, when it comes to the regular season, it needs to be a bit prolonged, and you you almost need to get in somebody's face or point at them or do something like that. But to just turn around, uh, you know, and make a quick look at an opponent, even though I get why they called it, um, because they're calling it this emphasis, but I I refuse to get uh, too hyped up about it until we get into the regular season, and I, I kind of don't think it's going to be much of an issue yeah of course that's the one thing i guess when you're talking preseason there's always going to be a little bit more of an emphasis uh to try to make the point so that everybody gets it and that sometimes tends to uh, go ahead and uh you know lead to more penalties and more challenges and more different things like that Uh, that's always been the case i think in the league yeah and i mean people i used to they used to ask me hey you know, in the preseason, there'll be a point of emphasis, and, and they, they would ask me when I ran the program, you know, you're calling a lot now. Are you going to call them this way all through the season? And I used to sit there and go, we're going to call them this way from week one of the preseason through the regular season week 17, and we're not going to make it, you know, we're not going to do anything differently when we get into the regular season. I was such a BSer. I mean, my God, I, mean, I just was not really telling the absolute truth at that point. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I, again, this is not one to me like what we had uh, a couple of years ago with uh, the offensive holding thing, which when the regular season broke out, my God, there were 10, 12 being called a game. And then the, the competition committee had to get together with the officiating department and say, whoa, Nelly. Uh, this is not what we were looking for. And I don't think this is ever going to get to that point, but, um, you know, we'll see. But I'd be very surprised. Yeah, that's 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 the interesting part about it. One thing I liked about last year, <clears throat> there were less penalties. 
I mean, less holding penalties. I mean, yeah, that would, right. things were more compact. What went right that caused that to happen? Well, I think it was, a, this may be a little hard to believe, but I think that was an offshoot of the pandemic. I mean, you had officials that didn't go to training camps. You had officials that didn't work preseason games. And you had a new leader in Walt Anderson, you know, who basically didn't even have an in-person clinic. So basically he said to the whole group, um, look it, make them big. Um, and, th- and that was his message. And, and I think it was a good solid message because they had no work. They had no preparation. And, and I think it turned out really well because the penalties, as you said, went down. And, you know, I, I watch games all the time. I watch games on every level. And you, you look at penalties that are called. And I, I look when I'm in L.A., I look at Blandino. And we think about when we ran the program. We look at each other and say, would you have downgraded that if he didn't call it? And most, many, many times you go, nope, I wouldn't have downgraded that. So that kind of leads to the fact that you're getting too technical. And that causes more penalties. And by Walt Anderson saying, make them big, that's giving the officials a license to make them big. And, and, and it worked because it, it, the number of penalties went down. And I think generally everybody was happy with that. I know I was. I mean, Nobody likes penalties. I don't even like penalties. Um, but uh, I, I don't think that will change this year, even though we're going to have preseason. Yeah. And even <clears throat> though there are officials who are at training camps right now, but um, there, we may see an uptick of penalties in, in the one area of offensive holding because the committee might have been a, big, a little bit concerned about the enormous drop-off in those number of calls, but we'll see. It's not listed as a point of emphasis, so that's good news. Yeah, that's true. So what uh, What are the... Because uh, this one thing that's interesting, because again, with no owners meeting, or at least uh, no in-person owners meeting, there seem to be less rule changes this year than, uh, than most years, and that was the same, I guess, uh, the year before. Which ones do you think are the most important, whether it's an emphasis or a rule change? Well, I, I think certainly we're looking at the emphasis on taunting being one that you just have to watch to see how it works out. Um, the other one, actual rule change that I do think is significant is what's now called the tight end zone. And that's a, that's a, a play, on the playing field. It's tight end to tight end, five yards on either side of the line of scrimmage. And outside of that zone, nobody can block below the waist, period. And, and and we already saw in week one how that has an effect. The first the first thing that we saw was the effect that it had on the defense, because as a corner, if you got to take on a pulling guard, you got to take them on high. So that pulling guard might be three hundred pounds, and you're one hundred and eighty, uh, and you you can't go low and try to go through him to either try to make the tackle or even to break up the interference. So. Um, I saw a couple of penalties that were called both on the defense. Now, I look at the 49ers and and teams that have a strong running game with fullbacks like Kyle Juszczyk, and you say, okay, now he can't block low either when it gets to the edge. And, and, you know, he's masterful at getting people to the ground. And, uh, you know, and so that, that I really think is going to have an effect on the running game, and and that will be interesting. And then the third thing we all talked about, and even I did, 
hey, we need a sky judge. We need a sky judge. No, we don't want a sky judge. They said, we don't want a sky judge. Well, guess what? They have a sky judge. Um, and he's actually called the replay official in the sky judge parlance. They actually call him the video assistant. But he's allowed to jump in and make corrections immediately without delaying the game. And it happened in the first week of preseason. One one pass that was actually ruled an interception and, um, and, and a return for a touchdown. And immediately you could see that the ball hit the ground with the one angle the TV provided. So the video assistant just said to the referee, hey, the pass is incomplete. So they just made the ruling of incomplete and moved on. They talk about it being able to assist officials. So when officials are looking for help, um, you can jump in as this video assistant sideline catch. Rule the catch. It was rule the catch. The officials came together to talk about it, rule it a catch. It wasn't a catch. Second foot came down out of bounds. The video assistant said, second foot came down out of bounds. It's not a catch. Make it incomplete. Seamless. Nobody even really recognized it. Um, so it's a step toward what I think most people think is a sky judge. Now, it's only on objective issues. So you're basically talking about lines, grounds, and planes. Um, so you're not getting into the area of judgment. You're not getting into hits on the quarterback. If they rule that a quarterback's rough, but it looks like he's not, and there was no contact with that, can't get involved in that. Hit on a defenseless receiver. Oh, my God, a high hit to the head or neck area. Oh, you see in replay, it's a shoulder to the chest, actually legal. Can't get involved in that. It doesn't, it doesn't involve grounds, lines, or planes. But it is a step in the right direction. If this is where people want to go to make some immediate changes and have it be to such that it doesn't interrupt the play clock, I, I, this is the step that needed to be taken. Um, I, I would like to see it taken out of the replay official's hands and, and have an eighth official in a booth, but nevertheless... Um, they at least took this step. And, and you're not going to notice it probably as much as I am. I mean, we're, we're going we're gonna to know when officials are looking for assistance. And then we're going to know when they hear it from upstairs. You can read the body language. You can read the hand on the earpiece. Um, so, but that's fine. If it, creates, if it corrects some automatic uh, and some easy errors, you know, it's going to speed up the pace of the game because we might have less replay situations, which would be great. That would be good. Of course, I mean, that's the one thing. It's like they seem to be so resistant of calling it Sky Judge because, again, that's like I, th- yeah. I thought that was an excellent way, and this is the way it ultimately should go. <clears throat> but, you know, to have an overseer, and I, I would take it still that New York is going to stay involved in looking at some of the replays. Well, they're going to take. They're going to look at them all. I mean, still the decisions are going to be made in New York. They changed the philosophy a little bit. Al Riveron is gone. Um, so, but they they want to basically have more than one person looking at the reviews. So two or three people. And so you're talking about Walt Anderson being back there and Perry Fuel and others, uh, Russell Yerk. Um, uh, that, that more than one person looking at the play, which I think is kind of interesting because if you have three people looking at one play, there's a strong likelihood that one of the guys is going to go, yeah, I don't think so. And so it's probably in many cases going to be hard to get to unanimous consent. So we may see a lot more ruling on the field stands um, when you have multiple opinions, but um, I, I get it. And it's kind of, 
you know, I always thought one person making all the decisions was good in terms of consistency if that person himself could remain consistent. Um, but I think the competition committee felt that they would rather have more than one person look at each play, and, and we'll see how that pans out. Do you think we'll get, get to the problem where there's almost going to be too much uh, communication to the referee because now you have somebody uh, up in the press box that's going to be doing that in the officiating box, and then of course you have New York involved with several players. Is it, is it could it be too much? Well, I mean, John, it's such an interesting question because um, you know the whole philosophy about this whole trying to get everything right, which is pretty impossible to do, but it involves technology and all these people looking at plays, and those of us that officiated. Back in the days when there was no replay, um, we will tell you that we thought we were better officials. Um, the officiating, officiating was better back then because you didn't have a bailout. You know, you didn't have a safety net. You had to make the decisions. And and I get a sense now, and and I firmly believe this, that there are people in the league that are using replay to stay in the league. I'm talking about officials. Um and it's, you'll see it in their hesitancy. You know, they kind of know, okay, replay, replay could get involved and they could make this call and correct the call and then I wouldn't get a downgrade. So it's just like, it's like, I don't, you know, they used to work harder. We used to work harder to get the flag to the right spot on pot, spot fouls. Now you just throw it and replay tells you, gets in your ear and says the spot of the foul was the 28. So you're not, you're not responsible for the game like we were prior to 1999 and I think the actual officials I would say this and and my friends who are officials don't like to hear me say it but I say it anyways I think I think the officials are probably better than we were prior to replay but I think the officiating itself is worse um, because of the fact of technology taking over and creating situations where you have a tendency to wait and and a tendency to stay out of making the tough decision. Um, but that's kind of a, it's an interesting philosophical question that you ask. Too much technology, and it's now everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's not mm-hmm. going away. I would just say the same thing in college football. It's, uh, it's just the way that we have gone, and I don't think for officiating itself, uh, it's been good. Yeah, that's interesting. Curiously, uh, one thing we haven't come, the league hasn't put out, Walt Anderson hasn't put out, is the number of officials that retired or are no longer there. That list has not come out yet. And I know that was going to be interesting because, when, what was it like? There was about 15 guys because they're in that stage right now where you could retire and you know get really great benefits more so than you can if you waited. And this was supposed to be the second year that that could happen because it's almost like you know, it's like a double double type of uh, pay or whatever. So it's like, uh, has there been a lot of extra turnover this year? Well, there really hasn't been a lot of turnover. I mean, there's only one new official. Um, But part of the reason that there's only one new official because there was a half a dozen or so that opted out last year because of COVID. And, And then they were eligible to come back and work this year. I think the number is like about five. Um, I think that that did not come back. Um, so I wouldn't call it, you know, I wouldn't call it a, a huge year of transition because the only one, one person is Maya Shaka, um, a female uh, out of, I think, Washington, somewhere in that area. So um, 
you know, and they're pretty good about not saying, you know, everybody retires, John. Mm-hmm. You know how it yeah. is. Everybody retires. Even well, though not, it's not us. Right? Right? So, <laughs> not not so us. Everybody retires. Mm-hmm. So so you 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 kind of try to not make too big of an issue out of it when you're the league. This one, this is kind of a, a, a little one, but I don't know how big big it can be. It says, ensure the enforcement of all penalties committed by either team on extra points and two point conversion attempts. Yeah, ask ask uh, Tampa Bay about that. Yeah, that's true. Um, you, Tampa Bay kicked a, a, an extra point from the you know from the two yard line, which you can't do. And officials underneath the goalpost said that's good. They went through, but they they lined up to go for two, and they ran a split formation, then shifted into the scrimmage kick formation, and then kicked it, um, which you can't do. You could you can line up in the scrimmage kick formation, but you're gonna have, from the two, you got to run a fake or you got to do something, but you certainly can't kick it. The rule itself was just on one convoluted enforcement to where, you know, there was a, 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 a two point attempt from the um, two, from the two yard line. Uh, the offense was called for a false start. Then they backed them up all that they decided then to go back to the 15 and march off five yards there from the 20 to the 20 and then they lined up, and then the defense was offside, and then they went back to the two and said, well, we're not going to penalize the original uh, uh, false start that was on the kicking team. And, and so they moved the ball twice, and the geez, could you move it four times if you had? <laughs> well, now it's just basically move the ball once. So if you, if you do line up to go for two and the offense does false start and then they decide to move it to the 15 and attempt the kick from the 20-yard line, uh, then you're stuck at the 20. You're not going to be able to move it back. And, and uh, you know, I mean, honestly, uh, it happened one time. It's one of those rule changes that, yep, a little flaw in the rule, and then you make a change. It's like Belichick and all those guys who committed a uh, delay of game penalty with the running clock outside of five minutes when they were ahead in the score. And so they basically got – they penalized the five yards, and then they started the clock again. So I think it was one minute and 22 seconds ran off the clock. And, and again, smart Bill Belichick, copied then by Vrabel and copied by Harbaugh. And, you know, you look at that and say, okay, is this a rule change or we got to stop this? Is there something that we can do? And and then the, basically the change is that if the – in the fourth quarter, if the offense commits a foul that disrupts the snap, which means there's no snap, then the clock will start on the uh, snap on the next play. So you have those things that happen, which you know are all good little corrections. But if they don't they don't change to me what the game is going to look like. I'm always interested in what's going to change the look of the game to the fan what's going to change the look of the game to the media um and it's often the point of emphasis um and you could look at the second point of emphasis the illegal use of the helmet and look at a play that happened and again i forget which team it was this past week but it was number 94 on defense a defensive end who took on the tackle and their helmets hit and and I, it didn't even look to me like the defender lowered his helmet, but they called a, they threw a flag for this illegal use of the helmet. So they're looking at contact by defensive players to the helmet on the offensive blocker, like the guards and tackles. Same way if you're in pass protection, if you lower your head to take on a, a defensive rusher. So that, that 
that's one where fans look at that and say, wow, I haven't seen very much of that. And again, I don't think that we will, but but that blocking restriction to me changes the game the way it's going to be played a little bit. And, um, you know, the others, nah, not, not anything that visible. Hey, Mike Pereira is always a great education on what is going to be adjusting here in the National Football League. Looking forward to watching you on Fox all season long. And thank you for joining us on Schooled with the Professor. My pleasure always, John, anytime. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.